Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor Storyline and Editing Podcast. I'm your host, Joe. What's up? I'm Dan. And today we are covering Episode 4 of Season 39, Survivor Island of the Idols, Plan Z, uh, the new zombie apocalypse movie starring Elaine Stott and the rest of the Lyro tribe, which kind of <laughs> are a bunch of zombies. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like... Uh, you saw a bunch of people. I mean, Dean's come back from the dead. He's technically undead. <laughs> Tom's seemingly just uh, gone straight into the ether. No idea when he's going to come back. Just truly a like hodgepodge of like broken edits at this point. It really feels like they matter less and less every episode. Yeah, I mean, we're literally talking right here. I just want to say I actually really, really liked this episode. And I'm shocked because like I've been like I've liked the episodes, but I feel like this one was actually like a lot of fun all the way through. It's really funny. It was good to watch. And I do want to say that. I mean, when you see Lyro get the content that they get and then you get Vokai, every single member except for three of them get to comment on one specific thing together in like a montage versus like half the tribe didn't go even get a confessional. Like clearly one of these tribes matters more than the other one. and They don't even try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was that uh, half and half sort of editing scheme we think we saw in Ghost Island where the tribe that doesn't go to tribal council gets all the pre-immunity challenge content. And then, of course, the tribe that does go is getting all the content after the immunity. So I think in Ghost Island, we saw that be very, I don't know, bad against how the season was working. I think here it works very well because you need to tell this story about Nora and I don't think they handled the Lyro story part incorrectly. Although the stories are just kind of all over the place. What matters, what what's real, what's not. It's strange, but... Yeah, we have basically the story of this episode is we have two different ones. It's uh, everyone, wa- everyone on Vokai wanting to minimize their threat and choose not to go, except Nora, who stands out above the rest, wanting to go, and then how that fails her. And then on Lyro, it's the story, basically, of Dean and Chelsea suddenly becoming a showmance, and Karishma slide- Chaos is a ladder, and she's going to let people fight, and she's going to climb up. She doesn't want to go home, is basically all the story that they tell us on Lyro, right? Like, Karishma doesn't want to go home, she's the obvious boot, people explore other options. Yeah, it's just this utter chaos, which undermines a lot of things we've seen before, with the girls' alliance, and... It just felt like nothing mattered. If you went into that tribal council, like counting the people who were like, yeah, Karishma's going and not really accepting Chelsea as an option. Like that's enough to sort of show you the fate of Lyro, I think. Oh, yeah. And you end up with Karishma getting no votes and Chelsea getting a bunch. Like it's just very silly. Yeah. I mean, Karishma got Dean and Chelsea's votes and then a bunch of people including several people who are in a girls' alliance with Chelsea or are just bamboozled by these chaotic plans, all seemingly hopped onto this plan to vote out Chelsea. Yep. It's just very peculiar. I, To me, I get it. They're trying to tell us, obviously, Karishma flips on Lyro, and it's a huge factor in their demise. It's why we're seeing all these people get like these really crappy, thinly drawn lines, but it is kind of weird when what six people voted with karishma <laughs> like it wasn't like it wasn't even like a four or five vote mm-hmm. it's just kind of goofy but that said i do think that the story was kind of fun i thought it was a, a, kind of an obvious chelsea boot when i was watching it but i don't think that seems to be like a common 
criticism. Like most people seem like they were actually shocked, but I felt like it told us why she would leave and was able to blindside some viewers. I think that's kind of fun that they handled it pretty well. Yeah, I do want to say, I think we've been sort of looking at Chelsea's edit, seeing the writing on the wall. And even if we can't get the winner right ever, our ability to see stuff like this kind of makes me want something a little different from Survivor. Like, I wouldn't be mind being surprised more in a good way than rather seeing this Chelsea edit that doesn't have legs. And we commented so much on how it looks like the pre-merge shock boot. And I guess it was, but it wasn't shocking to us. So Yeah, I think at this point, it's time to retire, at least for us, the pre-merge shock boot thing, because it's clearly just like, aggressive female who gets voted out early it's it's there's no shock here for me chelsea was clearly not long for this game she didn't have a story and i mean i just don't think it's you're right it's not a shock anymore it's the girl that looks like this gets voted out roughly in the same spot every year right it's not a shocking trend anymore it's not something that like we can commend them for which a lot of people are doing like oh the winner it's like no chelsea didn't have anything resembling a winner's edit or anything like Mm. Yeah, I think otherwise what I've seen is this episode sort of led other communities speculating, like edge communities and whatnot, on where the winner is in some interesting directions, I think. Uh, I feel like I haven't changed much from last episode, and it's sort of a very narrow, very, uh, I don't want to say pessimistic, but like it seems this season is very easy to sort of nail down. I mean, yeah. I- that i'm dooming myself to being wrong but it feels very very straightforward from here i agree with that to me this feels a lot like the first season we did in ghost island where it feels like there is a handful of people at the very top and they're at the top and it's just kind of maybe something miraculous happens but i think we're more or less locked into a couple people but i do think how the story actually unfolds could go a couple of pretty interesting ways that i'm actually kind of in for because i don't think it's going to be as simple as like tommy jack dominate the game like dom and wendell i don't think that's what we're going to see at all i think we're going to see kind of like a fairly complex game is my guess i i was almost wondering if this could be actually like an actual return to the pagong like yeah ghost island was dominated by navidi for the most part but you had Michael and Jenna outlasting some of them. You had, of course, Wendell, or Laurel and Donathan uh, getting to the end. But I almost wonder if Vokai is really going to band back mm-hmm. together and get rid of all the Lyros one by one. And you know and- what? Er- early on, we were talking a lot about how... Uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we're talking about how Tom, Elaine, and... I've already forgot that man's name. Vince. Uh, Vince um, had this like really interesting scene where they were formed together. And then Tom said, oh, well, uh, the minute tribes start uh, fighting in between each other is the minute that uh, these things fall apart. And I feel like it's so easy to look at that like, oh, it's going to be a reversal of that. The other tribe's going to fall apart. I think this tribe is just a disaster. And that's probably what it was foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm honestly surprised we're not getting any purple, orange color conspiracies about their fortunes in this game Mm -hmm. but yeah Uh, i like the immunity challenge uh good blindfold challenge always is gonna have a share of good moments Um, okay the blindfold challenge was awesome the real awesomeness behind 
I think this episode and what actually makes it work really well is I think the handling of Nora's story in this episode before the immunity challenge going into the challenge. So there's actually a story to be told in the challenge where it's how Nora does. Obviously, we get the funniest moment of all time of her getting set out. Like that's, I think, top tier survivor moments um, <laughs> of her getting set out. Like I, that shocked me. I did not see that coming at all. That was the real that's the real pre-merge shock um, of this episode was them just being like, Nora, you're sitting out it was so funny. But I love yeah, that there's so much to that moment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so deep and layered. And like, that's the kind of storytelling you want in Survivor is show us like all the like reasoning behind it, why she should set out. But don't tell us that that's happening. It just it's beautiful. So you actually had a story of like, ooh, if Jason messes up, this could be like maybe they should have put a Nora. So I actually like I was oftentimes I find my eyes kind of glaze over during the challenges because there's just no story other than one of this tribe is going to win and one of them's not. This one actually had like storytelling in it. I think that's what made it so good for me. Like, I think this is one of my favorite ones for quite a long time. Yeah, I think sometimes blindfold challenges can really work like that, where you have groups splitting off and it's how good the caller is doing their job. And then you have pairs, like you have Dean and Chelsea or like a Missy and Karishma, and you see their own little dramas in there. Or like when the two, there's just all sorts of little moments in here that really worked for me, I think. And the highlight of all those little moments, I think, was Tommy or Jack, was 100% sure which one it was, doing the bird sounds. It was Tommy. It was Tommy? Yeah. yeah. It was almost this very surreal moment where the editors just made this weird cacophony of sound. Like, you didn't know if Nora was intentionally laughing really loud to obscure elizabeth's calling or whatnot it was just chaos yeah i thought that was so excellently handled and i thought this episode in general had a number of really fun editing moments that Mm -hmm. being one of them uh, i think jamal's idol find that i'm sure we'll talk about a lot was really fascinating the way they edited it it was almost one-to-one that weird idol find of david wright in edge of extinction Hmm. where it was just like Mm -hmm. a weird uh like entirely narrated uh experience of him talking about his life and how he wants kids and all that kind of stuff yeah that was really really cool Mm -hmm. that was really fun editing and then i thought just like nora stayed like someone has to go to the island and you get a bunch of people in a row i'll say nope no way no way no chance no way (laughs) like i thought they really did a very good job editing this episode specifically yep and yeah so the challenge was great i like i think this is just one of those episodes that was just really well constructed I do think that Dean and Chelsea all of a sudden being a duo should have been a massive like <laughs> red red flag alert uh, for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, that's the one thing that they could have done better. And they, they clearly aired a confessional of Dean from the first episode because he didn't have facial hair. But <laughs> you know what? I don't know why they didn't just give Dean that in the first episode. I feel like it would have made everything a lot better. But- yeah, I think just seeing the arc of pre-swap Lyro... I feel like that just could have been handled better on the whole. It's very messy, very stories come up when they matter and fade out when they don't. And people are contradicting themselves. And yeah, exactly. Um, I think at this point, it's if complex tribe theory is a real thing, like Vokai is has every character that matters, basically, mm-hmm. um, that has a story. Every sto- every character with a story is on that tribe. It's not even close. So the idea of the return of the Pagong is terrifying and i think a realistic possibility um 
your points there are very good because we haven't seen the true Pagong in a while. We've like the South Pacific Pagong. Yeah. We've seen the majority alliance Paganging or something like that, but not the true, like, sticked on tribal lines. Yeah. Knock out the other side. And honestly, I think I might be subscribing to your theory here because there's so many of these characters that just don't seem like they can go anywhere on Vokai. Yeah, for sure. Even the ones with that don't look like they're winning feel like they have longevity. They feel like characters that are going to matter for some reason, near the end. And the one who doesn't just found an idol. Yeah, true. Like, the one who shouldn't have longevity, like, doesn't seem like he has much of a story. Jamal literally has an idol that can theoretically protect him. Granted, they haven't been that useful so far, but he he has, like, game longevity, theoretically. I don't know. Like, added to the fact that they're clearly going to swap in high numbers and Karishma on the other side is one flip. Math's looking good for the Vokai tribe. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is better for the prediction section at the end of this episode, but I really feel like most, if not all, of the remaining pre-merge boots are going to be Lyro. Like, I I don't know if any Lyro groups can get a foothold. I'm sure we'll get one or two Vokai's leave. I don't know. You, I think mathematically, if they're going three tribes of five, oh, you'd imagine one of them's going to have three lo- Oh, That's probably going to have Karishma on it. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's a possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see, like, honestly, I could see Lauren leaving. Other than that, Lauren or Janet leaving. and I think Jamal is likely, even though he has an idol, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, even those people, like, have better shot than I think, like, Dean. I don't know. So, mm. I guess there's some confliction there. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're, I think at least the majority of the swap boots are gonna be Lyro people, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We can play a fun game later of uh, which Lyro will be the last one standing because I feel like that we I think that's actually going to be someone you can predict. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hmm. Maybe this really is just. Dang, that has me a little sour, but that's fine. I don't know. I'm excited because it has been a while since we've seen a true Pagong. I can't say how they would make it feel good, but maybe they can do it. Maybe they've learned some editing tricks. Maybe they'll squish them into double boot episodes in the right places and it'll work okay yeah i mean for me i'm actually not super against pagongings i think they're actually a lot harder than people give them credit for uh managing to keep people all those people under like one kind of thumb thing is kind of cool and honestly like we've seen so many seasons lately where it's just been like flippant uh voting people out for like basically threat order Mm-hmm. And maybe it is kind of fun to get get a return to just good old Pagani Survivor. Maybe. Probably not, but <laughs> we'll see. The we'll try to be positive. Monkey par curling as we speak. and Yeah, it's like, no, because you always hear people saying we want to return to old school Survivor. <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as the monkey paw uh, folds down, we will move here to the story section, which... I kind of went through a loop here. I mean, actually, before we do that, do you have it? Do you want to comment at all on the Island of Idols? Uh, I mean, just wonderfully handled here. It didn't last too long enough to. I feel like the first three episodes with their semi-serious take on it were preparing us for this, where it's just madness of Nora and all that. So yeah, this was awesome. Like, and you even have Kelly bring up the fact that Nora 
like knows something and she doesn't. So they actually address that whole thing. And then just it was actually so much fun watching it. That's the thing is like if they're going to steal TV time, make it good TV time. This is mm-hmm. a wonderful character exploration of Nora, who I hope is a long term character. Mm-hmm. So I was 100 percent OK with it being. That yeah. way. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, overall, great episode. I think they actually told the story really well on both sides. And with that said, we'll look at the sort of the long term stories, starting with the idea of teaching, which seems to not be here as much as I would think, except I was I, that's what I was saying anyway during the episode until it really hit home with when Elizabeth mentions that Boston Rob taught her to lie and backstab and all that. Um, so it mm-hmm. did pop back up. I still think it's going to be an important one. It's just in the backseat currently. Yeah, I think you could say they had a prime example of a bad version of this with Nora, just going headfirst into it, not really learning anything. Um, but otherwise, it is sort of taking more of a backseat role than I was expecting. I feel like we had something really strong at the start of the season with all the mentions towards teaching, and right now it's not here. I think there's still lots of room for it to come back, but it's taken a break. Yeah, this is officially the, like, put it on the back burner. It'll probably pop back up. Mm-hmm. Where'd it go, though? Uh, sort of theme. So that's where we are at there. Um, the next one I want to talk about here is the idea of w- uh, putting up with people, cross-reference to personal space and touching. I think this was kind of an interesting one here with... The whole, like, the whole thing of, the whole Lyro story was based on, is it worth it to cut somebody because uh, they're too close to somebody? Yeah. Literally, Chelsea and Dean are sleeping on top of each other. That's the impetus, at least how the episode tells us, of them being in danger. Over somebody that is unlikable and they, like, they actively dislike Karishma. Like, which one's better? The people who are breaking the personal space thing or... Karishma, who's unlikable. I think that was really, really fascinating exploration of the theme that we've been tracking this whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's like a recurring segment for me to mention all the ways this comes up, but obviously of Dean and Chelsea literally touching while they're sleeping. Um, Missy has that great example when she shows Elaine her two fingers, like this is Dean and Chelsea. Like you get to see it represented there. Um of course, it's almost amazing how many episodes this has happened, but you get another scene of Dan during the challenge, like, reaching out and, like, hitting Missy on the chin. Like, really weird how they can just find a moment in every episode for this, but, yeah. Not this is... to mention that Dan walked into a tree in this episode. Per- Dan still has trouble personal space. <laughs> yes, very true. But just so big in this season. Truly, I think if teaching is on the back burner, this is what's cooking right now. Like, oh, oh yeah, if this was a stock market and you bought stock in touching people is bad theme on Survivor, <laughs> I feel like if anyone is shown touching or being close to anybody on this season, mark their like like lower five days off their uh, like uh, lifetime span. You know what I mean? Like off their lifespan, they just lose five days of survivor game because everybody that has like a a, not a fantastic shot at winning this thing is shown touching people like it's kind of absurd at this point and i feel like we're going to continue to see it Mm -hmm. yeah and And, it's an uncomfortable theme but it feels unique like i haven't seen this at least in a while on survivor so i'm excited to see it explored i guess 
honestly, it's kind of a throwback to I'm thinking of Roger from like Amazon, you know what I mean? Where it's a very social in your face exploration of like, like I, I'll, I'll never forget Rob Cesternino being like, Roger is a bigot. He won't stop talking about this stuff. Like, and you just keep seeing him like bark orders at people and all that kind of stuff. It just continues to come up. This whole <laughs> thing reminds me a lot of that kind of old school. Like there's like a personality thing bothering people. Yeah. Which again, kind of a return to old order, I guess. What I think is interesting behind all this, obviously we're seeing a lot of people being, chastised for being close to people violating the kind of the personal boundary i do think it's interesting that we kind of paired it together with the idea of paranoia having an idol and that likability is a liability Mm -hmm. karishma being unlikable and like a complete non-threat and chelsea being really likable and so charming we again see that note for note there right chelsea is hurt because she's so likable Krishma is benefited by being unlikable Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think it's interesting to have these pariahs on both tribes Krishma and lyro and then nora on vokai where i don't know if i ever got on survivor and my tribe was just like yeah no you're not getting what we wanted of you you just feel so doomed but we also didn't see it necessarily play out bad for Nora. And if we're going on seeds from the last episode, it might not. Like there's a lot of stuff going on there. So yeah. yeah, Nora and Karishma have now officially and Dan have all officially like our three like unlikable people in quotation marks have all made the swap now. And I think that's really interesting to see where that carries them. Mm-hmm. I feel like we really are gonna see this kind of story stay around where people are gonna continuously be voting out like threatening likable people over Dan. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely right here in the front. Uh, can't can't miss that. Literally, like, stay away from everybody. Um, <laughs> germs are bad. The cooties are alive here on uh, the island of the idols. <laughs> so mm-hmm. watch out. Next up, we have the idea of physical strength not being that important, basically. Uh, specifically under the lens of the importance of hard work. And I think <laughs> we might be seeing something a little strange here. Dean gets like ripped to shreds for being like a buff jacked guy who's clumsy and bad at like can't like hit the nail on the head uh in a challenge kind of thing. Like he he's unable to get the job done. Meanwhile, Krishma doesn't do anything around camp. And that's held as like a po- almost a positive, like negative on Krishma's character, but good reason to keep her. Whereas mm-hmm. Dean is fl- like fl- fumbling around in the challenge, uh makes him a threat. Like I think that's actually really really interesting. Yeah, it's it's because Dean just keeps escaping even though he's not doing well in challenges either. I don't know. It's very strange. And I mean, we get to see Vokai continuing to be very good with teamwork. I mean, Nora aside, Jason mm-hmm. has a really glowing spot as the caller here where they're all working together. They're all going together as one group and that works better than Lyra, which is literally all paired off and going in different directions. And yeah, I think teamwork as opposed to just maybe hard work or physical strength itself is being shown as important. And that's actually spot on. Like, I think that if situations were reversed and Lyro had got that scene of sending someone to Idol of the or Island of the Idols, I think we would have seen kind of a pairing off thing. Like the Lyro tribe dynamics 
from the start were established as there's a three and there's a girls alliance and there's a, like it, it was all divided whereas vokai was a lot of people like tommy and i think that's an interesting uh difference that they've kind of presented we saw vokai as a group agree to send nora right like they all came to a mutual conclusion mm-hmm. i think that's a positive and then we like despite nora's um obviously quirks and strangeness they do practice as a tribe and they work together teamwork's absolutely which is definitely code for pagong the more we talk the more i think you are absolutely <laughs> wow okay cool so the only other thing i thought with this likability is a uh, theme here we have going on is our boy dean is targeted by aaron sure it's for being like a flop in the challenges and stuff but more importantly he says dean's here to just smile and wink at people and be a likable under the radar guy I don't want that. I want people to play Survivor. I think that's another interesting wrinkle in what they're telling us here. This is not a tribe of people, or at least a game of people that want people who are like chilling out, just smiling at people. Molly suffers the same fate two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Dean is kind of presented in the same way where he's likable, he's smiling, and he's not doing anything, so let's take him out. Right. And Missy says there's a lot of sheep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. I'm curious when you asked who's going to be the last Lyro standing and I've been sort of thinking about it. I feel like there's obvious answers, but thinking about this, it almost seems like it's going to be a surprise and maybe not the big likable people or the big powerful people from this tribe. Mm -hmm. So it could split off a lot of different ways there. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's um, spot on. Worry very much if you like, I think this episode especially made me worry a lot for people like Missy that are are likable, strong characters over on Lyro. Made me worry a lot for her mm-hmm. and maybe put a little bit more stock in some other people. So, right. Get to that yep. when we get to Lyro. Um, the other long term story I want to touch on here in this episode is in episode two when Kelly goes to the Island of the Idols. We get, um, Jason telling her to assume nothing and think outside the box. And I think this is kind of more of a theme than I would have anticipated. And I'm trying to get, I'm going to try to put words here of what I think we saw. I think we basically are getting the, I think we could fuse teaching and this together specifically in Nora, like Boston Rob's like, you should think outside the box. Like her accepting this offer was a mistake. Um, she just assumed it would be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. rushed into a bad decision i think this whole episode was presenting nora as being opposite to jason's advice mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah for sure you see her sort of latch on to this this for that form of persuasion which the forms of persuasion are weird i guess we didn't even talk about how they're like flashbacks to persuasive moments in survivor history um but the way nora uses it isn't really I think very clearly the same way as it's supposed to work. Yeah, 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 I'll co-sign that. Yeah, so, yeah, you just sort of see Nora, yeah, just she jumps in. She doesn't assume as though it might be a bad idea. And I think Nora sort of sees it as, like, uh, opportunity, like, YOLO, it's Survivor. Um, But it's very much presented as Nora's making a bad decision here. Agreed. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the other thing is if I was to, so I think that's the major stories of 
the long-term stories that we're seeing tracking. Mm-hmm. If, I was, if I was to guess, I think it's basically what they're trying to say is teamwork is extremely important. Uh, but along the way, you have to make sure that you aren't ever seen as too likable because then uh, your threat can get too high. I think there's an idea here of keeping your threat low. We hear Tommy say that in this episode is uh, my game is all about keep making sure that my threat is lower than everybody. I do not want the attention. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of episodes center around the dangers of getting attention. Vince leaves Wyatt, as the episode tells us, because he goes to, uh, I'm going to keep saying Edge of Extinction by mistake, but I mean the Island of the Idols. I think we're really (laughs) seeing a story of teamwork's really important and you should be focused on the team because if you're focused on the team, people won't realize how scary you are individually or as a group or whatever. If you masquerade as a team, no one will be able to notice that you're super likable uh, and a threat that way. I think that's kind of what ultimately they're saying a good survivor player does. They blend in to the team. They are aggressive. They push what they want. They speak their mind. They think outside the box and they never let themselves look like the leader. I think that's basically what they're saying. A great survivor player does. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And obviously there's good examples on Vokai for a few different ways to look at that. I'm also seeing how it reflects into certain people on Lyro and I mean, negatively, of course, but also I think I see some weird positives that I wasn't expecting. And on the whole, I'm kind of feeling like this likability aspect. And I like the the dangers of getting attention as a way to get a good way to put it. But I feel like there's a lot there and they're actually telling this sort of theme very well. Agreed. I, th- I think it is the primary theme of what we're seeing right now. The idea that likability is a liability and you should not infringe on what people want you to be doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for any main overarching theme across this season, I think right now that's what we're seeing. I, at this point, do think that this is going to be directly connected to the winner story. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's sort of, yeah, like I said, it's impacting the big people you might consider for a winner right now. Exactly. And I would say even if we're not considering them, it's probably someone you're considering. I think it was like a lot of people were considering Chelsea and she was sort of in there for that to some extent. But yeah, she got too likable all of a sudden in this episode and paid the price. So exactly. And maybe that's the shock aspect of it. It's like, oh, it can happen to anyone. So mm-hmm. uh, and on that line, I do think that's why someone like Janet should be very worried. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's move here to our tribe section. So we're going to start here with the Vokai tribe where we get to talk about our boy, Dan who I've been pretty critical of this whole time. And now I think I've officially come around on him as a pretty actually like good character on the TV show. His confessionals were fun. He's just like a big dodo um, in this and as a character anyway. And he, he had it quite a bit. And I think I'm more than ever more, even more than even last week high on his ability to be a end gamer. Yeah. I mean, I have a surprisingly like gigantic group of people I think have zero or like immeasurably little chance of winning at this point. And like Dan's weirdly towards the top of that, I would say. And I think there's still a weird path. I mean, it has to happen soon, I think, but for him to come back and sort of redeem himself, of course, this is very, very, very small. I know a lot of people are just like Dan is near the bottom of their list and such, but he's constantly presented as, a character to look at and consider his viewpoint. And yeah. yeah, he was doing some weird personal space things, 
but he's still there. He's shown as sort of pointing out Nora being not in the right here. So yeah, I'm excited to watch Dan as he probably makes it to Endgame and probably doesn't win, but he'll have an interesting story along the way. Yeah, I agree. Of people in the tier of I'd be like it'd be a new paradigm for a survivor. He's probably on the higher end of it where we do get to hear his thought process. It's a sincere one. It, we're not laughing at Dan for the most part. He's just like a he's goofy but accurate. He accurately dis- he's a reliable narrator. We're allowed to think why he thinks things, not just what he thinks. I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Uh, that gives him a lot of longevity, and I think yep. that's that's a really really crucial thing. Anybody that is that likely to be at the end, I feel like will always have someone equity, especially when they're not digging into him, which I think they probably could. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can easily imagine a much more villainous Dan, which is (laughs) why I do think he has some win chance here. And beyond that, I do think it's more likely that Dan has one of the central narratives of the whole story. Like right now, I'd say he's in the top five main characters without a doubt. Um. Yeah, I mean, with Lyro being such a sort of sinkhole, it kind of feels like you go to these Vokai characters and it's like, yeah, Tommy, Nora, Dan, Kelly to some extent, so. Oh, I'd say, I would honestly say for protagonists of the season right now, or like not even protagonists, but primary uh, characters. Yeah, main cast. Main cast. Yeah, the people who get their name on the bill. I think you get Tommy. I think you get Kelly, Missy, um... I think then it's Dan. I don't even know who's Nora mm-hmm. and Jason too. Everyone on Vokai and Missy. Okay. Okay. Let's chill. We're not to chill. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like Dan is yeah. our, he's not even quite a villain. He's just kind of there. Um, but he gets mm-hmm. a lot of content. You get to hear what he thinks. And yeah, I think he's so tied to Kelly. He's so tied to like a number of these people that I think he'll continue to be here. We know more about what a lot of people think about Dan than just about any other relationship mm-hmm. backwards. So I think Dan's here to stay for a very, very long time. I feel like he's in the finale. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, so do you have anything else to say on Dan? I don't think so. It's weird to start with him, like even if uh, like he's second alphabetically. So we'll probably be starting with him a lot. And yeah, it's just going to be weird to track this story. Hopefully, I guess it might dip a little more negative so I can sort of shut out these vibes that he might be our winner in some weird universe. But otherwise, yeah, that's Dan. Yeah. If the story is somehow this creepy dude one, like, please right. no, please don't make it that like, <laughs> like they have felt like a, they had to show episode one creepiness and then just edit him as the winner. That would be unfortunate, but I, I don't think it's super realistic, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'd, I'd put him above, way too many people that i should feel comfortable putting him above right dan is really what he is is he's that line where anyone below him is just like should feel very bad yeah and i have almost the entire cast below him so (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) um that probably sums up uh dan and i'm sure he'll come up a little bit like a times more because i think he is tied to other people which is why he is kind of weird to start but yeah Alphabet be uh, damned. We're going to move here to Jack, who had another quiet episode. I I don't want to say another quiet episode because I think episode three was like, I feel like all those episodes so far have been right. 
Oh, I don't know. It's weird to also talk about Jack, who is still my number one contender after this episode, which, I mean, he didn't do anything this episode. Uh, He had a moment where he got to say, no, I don't want to go to the Island of the Idols. But I don't know. It just feels like he could afford this quiet episode. Like, Wendell had quiet episodes, too. It just, I don't think it hurts him too much. I'm still, I still feel really strongly about it. Obviously, with a swap coming, he needs something strong there. Like, a new, how he integrates into whatever swap tribe he forms. But I just feel really good about it. I kind of see what you're saying. And I'm going to kind of lump Tommy in here at this point. Because I think the fact that Jack did have a quiet episode here... And he hasn't had a huge episode yet. That's, I think, one big thing is he's been mostly consistently under the radar, but gets content to the point where you remember him. Like everyone, everyone watching the show who's paying attention knows who Jack is. For sure. I think that's important. The other thing that's really, really good for him, if you're going to peg him as a winner, to me, is the fact that we just, in this episode, get Tommy summarize his uh, thought process on the game being he wants to underplay his threat level. He mm. doesn't want to be seen. Tommy at this point is the thematic narrator of this story. We, I think he's the most reliable narrator. He's the person that the audience is supposed to see and be like, oh, I understand what that guy's saying and I agree. Mm-hmm. That said, Tommy is saying that he wants to downplay his threat level. I don't think the show has showed us that at all. I think the show has showed us a very threatening Tommy. And uh, a Jack under his wing, who's a lot less threatening, but also in a good spot. Which is really good for Jack and really bad for Tommy. Right. Yeah, I think I will have more to say about Tommy because there is sort of a detachment from him being likable when he very obviously is, I feel. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not really being shown as likable, but they're also definitely reinforcing he's a big, like, character, a big threat. Like, they won't say big threat, but someone who obviously looks like they're going to win this. So that's, yeah. And I think just the continued almost perfection of Tommy's edit makes me really skeptical. And Jack just seems like not a perfect edit, but a good chance to tell a perfect, like a great story. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what's interesting is last week we saw Jack and Jamal be used sort of opposites of how to handle getting blindsided. Jamal really lashes out. Uh, Jack chooses to just kind of smile it away. And that Jack shown is being much better off for it. Um, I think the interesting thing here. Is now we have Jamal's redemption story kick off. But Jack's still kind of just his main narrative right now is he's a nice guy who doesn't want to live in an office or doesn't want to work in an office. He just wants to kind of chill out and be cool. That's mm-hmm. still his story. It hasn't kicked into a second act. He's just been shown doing everything right, which I think is actually really good for him. Yep. And looking back at the fact that he went to tribal one time in the pre-swap, like this whole time. Yeah. The one time he goes to tribal, he's like... Uh, completely linked to the person who left in a way that was kind of forced in and unnatural that you easily could have avoided, I think is actually very good for him mm-hmm. because it's forcing him into the narrative. It's forcing you where Jack is here. There's a guy named Jack, by the way. Yeah. So all that together, I think is very good for Jack. I am a little softer on him this episode, but this is the kind of stuff that I remember flagging up a lot with Wendell and uh, Ghost Island is even when he had quiet episodes, he'd get these moments that would make you remember him. Uh, infamously, uh, Wendell's the one who says that they can't sit out Jacob Derwin a second time because he's uh, he's lying. And, and other than that, Wendell's invisible in the episode. But he gets like a one really important line almost mm-hmm. every time. Jack kind of got that 
with him being the person to be like, oh, no, Nora, like you shouldn't want to go or whatever that he said. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it I have for Jack. I mean, like Mm. I said, didn't do much this episode, but I still feel great about it. So, yeah, to me, I view him as Tommy's lovable sidekick and Mm -hmm. that gives him a lot of win equity. Yep. I think the most interesting uh, plot thread of this episode was Jamal's kind of redemption story here. I did not see that coming at all. We leave last episode with Tommy wanting to target Jamal, perhaps. I think that's really, really interesting. And then we enter this episode, and it's just a completely positive and complex view with lots of personal content about Jamal. I think that was really, really interesting and something I definitely didn't see coming. Um, I don't know if I saw it as positively. I saw it coming, and I was like, uh, this kind of feels like maybe Jamal could get back on a winner's track. And then it just felt like a really sympathetic way to present an idol find. And it didn't completely derail that he wasn't a villainous presence. Like he has this really, it really stuck out to me when he finds the idol. He has this sort of, it almost feels like a villain finding the idol the way he laughs. It's like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen. Like this is a road bump for speed. Yeah. Bump in the road for whoever wants to get Jamal out. But yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. It feels like there's more of a path than there was before. Maybe he's not the bad guy we had labeled him as. I agree. There is something I kind of want to flag up here in that Jamal wanted to target Dan, if I remember correctly, last week. And that's Mm -hmm. what gets Tommy being like, ooh, maybe Jamal can't be trusted. I think that's really interesting. Um, I'm predicting that we will see Jamal and Dan on a tribe together. Hmm. And that might be the kind of story there. Um, Maybe Tommy's there too. And that's how we somehow end up with the one, like Jamal leaving or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting to note the associations he has. Jamal does have quite a few, specifically with Tommy and Dan. And arguably Jack, but I think that was more thematic than showing that they're close. Yeah. I think that we are going to see Tommy, Jamal, Dan together. Hmm. That would be my guess. And with that, that's actually really bad for Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are not uh, good. If Avoca is going, those aren't. Those are like the last two you want to be up against. Yes, I think, <laughs> especially for a pre-merge boot. Absolutely agreed. And obviously, it's speculation on who the tribes are going to be, but generally, they kind of pair up people beforehand, so you can kind of know. Like, okay, I get that those people are who these people are, so. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I don't know. Jamal, I don't think he's a realistic winner. I also don't, I feel like he's the lowest placing Vokai member. Um, Out of who's left? Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, obviously not Molly, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what I, yeah, I forget there's only one of them <laughs> that's gone. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it feels like he, like I said, he has the, most likely to go pre-merge. Maybe Nora, like, in a yeah. weird Natalie Cole way. It's just too much, and she goes. But even her, I can see. I mean, if likability is a liability, yeah, she's not going anywhere. And with Jamal specifically, he could make it far, but this almost feels to me like a wrapping up. Like, I think you can view his last confessional as a wrapping up of his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels... I mean, with Vince going and then Chelsea going, both with idols, like, I, if Jamal's idol find doesn't feel like it is necessarily any better than those, and he could go out with it, too. So, yeah. I mean, that would be some some coincidence for all of them to go, but 
I think it's possible. I mean, if you remember, we made fun of a lot of Chelsea in episode one, literally, and Lauren also. Uh, both get ridiculous amount of content about how idols cause paranoia and cause you to act bad and play bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the theme of the story is just idols are intrinsically tied to your demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, that's not going to be every idol misfires. Like, that's that would have to be a scripted story. But. I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised at all if a lot of idols flop. Well, and other than the first episode with Jason, we're not seeing any other characters sort of go searching or escape what's happening. Maybe it's a result of there being an island of the idols where you assume they all are, but there's not a ton of speculation going on, I feel. Yeah, and I mean, specifically in this episode, we saw, like, if you view Island of Idols as a place to get an idol, we saw, like, eight characters be, like, no chance. I do not want to be seen looking. Right. No way. Uh, Jason's whole first arc, is, and I guess we can kind of talk here about Jason next. He's up next. No, we gotta uh, go to Janet first. Okay, yeah, true. So we'll, we'll <laughs> briefly touch here on Jason. Is his whole early story is about what an idiot he was for trying to trying to find one. Right. Yeah. Like that's one way to phrase that story. Is Jason looked like an idiot for trying to find an idol, and people hated him for it. And basically, mo- and Kelly found one and how does she respond? It's a sad thing. She comes in and she breaks down in front of her tribe. Like it's a, it, there's a negative association with idols in this story. Mm-hmm. So you're right. This is not actually that great for Jamal. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty spot on. You know what else is pretty bad for somebody? Janet's story not existing anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she went fishing, uh, but not much else happened. Um, that being said, Janet's pretty high because there's not a lot of people who have good content left, and I still think Janet's potential path is a Tommy inheritance edit. Mm-hmm. And like, that's about it, really. Like, I think I could give her the same sort of um, waiver I give Jack here, where it's not necessarily an episode she needs to be highlighted. Um, I guess she's coming off a even quieter episode than Jack before this, but yeah, I could still see it working out together of course strong swap episode but yeah at this point janet needs like a breakout huge episode of the swap for me to consider her seriously i was i had her very high last week and to me at this point jack's the horse i'm gonna bet on if it's a tommy inheritance story i just don't see it being janet it's gonna be jack if like jack existing so bad for janet's story additionally her huge story at the start being she's way more likable than most old people is really bad in this story uh, landscape where likability is a liability. To me, she seems like she's somebody that could get voted out because two weeks from now we're watching and, oh, she's super mom. She'll definitely win if she makes the end. Gotta vote her out. I see it. I think I see it a different way. I think she has the longevity, but I think she's going to be like a spearhead of this theme and like the finale where it's just going to be like, yeah, Janet can't make the end. Uh, she's the Elaine when at the actual lane at the end where yeah she's too likable she's got to go yeah no i i think i said two weeks i should have said longer than that because i don't think oh, she's okay. gonna like i do think again like i think vokai is the majority of the merge yeah. to me i i don't even think finale is necessarily i could easily oh. see her being ninth place and that's why she gets voted out right yeah yeah you meant more of like two weeks into the game not two weeks yeah. in episodes <laughs> yeah like i don't think she's gonna leave in episode six i think I just, I think that to me, she's, I see her, how her story ends and it's, yeah, it's the Elaine treatment 
of she's too likable. She'll make the end and win. Super mm-hmm. mom's got to go. We've, we heard her uh, affectionately labeled that she needs something huge to, for me to consider it. I also like kind of need justification of why she vanished. It was enough last week to be, have like the minimal content, but she got nothing in this episode. Everybody in the game got a conve- or everybody on her tribe got a confessional or a moment at the, uh, mo- like Jack got to say his thoughts on the situation, except her and Dan. And then mm-hmm. Dan was visible elsewhere in the episode, and she was not. Like, yeah. li- literally every other character got a confessional other than her, Jack, and Dan. Jack actually got to speak, just wasn't in confessional. Why is Janet the one that didn't? Like, <laughs> if you're editing this, you sit there as the editor, and you notice, oh, I just made everyone talk but this one person. There has to be purpose for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not like a sneaky, like, ooh, like, dog that didn't bark here, I don't think. It's like, no, just Janet doesn't matter in this way. Yes. Yeah, she's a, she's a tertiary character point, which is really disappointing because I thought she was going to be a character. Seems like she just isn't going to be a huge character, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I feel like almost Allison Raybould in a weird way. Obviously a weirdly different story, but just sort of tertiary. You've got these big characters that are, I think, playing strategic games and Janet just sort of slots in somewhere and runs her course. Yeah, and I mean, you ha- you say Allison, I also see Ashley from Triple H. I also oh, see... Yeah. Right, it's the huge premiere followed by, oh, that was just an introduction. Mm-hmm. There's not actually a character here. That's um, sticking around, so they'll be yeah. here. So, I don't know. It's not looking good for Janet. I hope we're wrong, because she, she was really fun in that. It's been She showed herself to be pretty competent as a player, I think, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But it's just not looking fantastic for her. Yeah. Move on here to Jason, who to me has climbed higher than anybody else. He's now occupying the spot that I had Janet in. So it was an excellent episode for Jason, who basically got to, I mean, show his like comedic side. I think that's actually really good. He hasn't been like, we got to see that with the Footloose stuff early on, but he, I think he's now fully like, he got a lot of positivity here for his challenge performance. He didn't like he didn't have to be a jerk to Nora so that duo can still exist. Him and Nora still have that really killer bond that they've uh, built up separate to that. We got to see him explain his game philosophy, which I think was pretty good. I'm so skeptical. I know a lot of people are really high on Jason after this. It was a very good, very positive episode. And I like Jason, but I feel like the pieces aren't adding up. This episode feels like a contrast to previous Jason. Like I, the road from premier Jason where he's ostracized for finding the idol to here doesn't, it doesn't feel smooth. It doesn't work out right for me. So I'm still not as high on Jason, but he's number four for me. Mm, He's way lower for me. To me, honestly, it's mostly the vanishing to me of a lot of people in terms Mm -hmm. of like me buying them. And I, I do think the the gulf between three and four for me is huge. But I think Jason's probably my fourth most likely. Mostly <laughs> predicated on him being a memorable character on the Vokai tribe. who probably has a decent amount of longevity and can serve as a... I think it's actually very good that he has... I don't think we've even seen him and Tommy talk. I think that's actually very good if the story isn't Tommy's goons. Oh, yeah, crush. definitely. Yep. Right, like... He could be the person who takes out Tommy. He could be the person who is the alternative. And I think that's actually very good for him. 
And I don't want to, like, I, if I'm not considering Jason, I'm basically saying that Tommy or in the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that set in stone at all. I think Jason could be our person who saves the season from the Pagong or stops Tommy or whatever. Hmm. I just, I, mm, the story doesn't add up for me. It's but. definitely also kind of weird. I mean, like, in episode one, he is maligned for, as Dan says, not being with the numbers. It's so easy to point at someone and say, oh, they're not with us. Therefore, they must go home. In this episode, Jason says, my mom or whatever, the mom side of me says, stay here. You're safe with the numbers. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I think his story is tied in this idea of not the dangers of sticking out. And he's mostly aligned with Nora. It's a very interesting like line there kind of thing where it's like Nora is he's a lot more like Nora than he probably wants to admit. And that's what makes them a good duo. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder what other content there is for Jason and Nora. Like, I feel maybe, like, did he say more about Nora going? Like, that's probably not a good move for her or whatever. And it's hard to factor in because a lot of that is just a matter of whether he said it or not or how he said it. And But it just feels like something's missing there. Oh, to me, I'm assuming they swap together. Hmm. Like, I feel like that's super likely. And he keeps her safe, right? Like, in episode two, he says, yeah, I could throw Nora into the bus, but I would rather... She she was the only one who looked after me when I needed help. I'm going to look after my friend if I can. I think that's the thing is, like, I think they've been established almost like Gabby Christian in a lesser way, but they're that kind of dynamic. Uh, I just don't feel if it's that strong. Like, I feel like we... There's just more moments we should see of Jason addressing Nora as she continues down her path and... They've just not been tied as closely together as I would have figured, I think. I think that's fair. I also think it's potentially fair that maybe right now on day six or ten or whatever, he isn't actually that close to Nora, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that's actually a pretty realistic possibility. And then they re-merge together when they uh, show up. I do think that the story of Jason and Nora is, which is really good for Jason and good for Team TV Nora being there. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes of the swap. Agreed. Uh, next up, we have Kelly, who had an amazing episode. I don't think enough people are talking about how good this episode was for Kelly. Yeah, it keeps her solidly on the board. Like, mm. obviously, my number three. Um, Jack and Tommy are up there, but just Kelly feels like some sort of force that's here also for a while. Yes. And just got to address Island of the Idols in the right ways. It's it's what's missing from Elizabeth. Like, why mm-hmm. did Elizabeth say this about Vince when Vince went? Um, yeah, just really a great look for her, I think. Yeah, she got to comment on all kinds of things. She got to be on the uh, good side. She got to give the before and after, which is actually kind of rare. Like, she's like, okay, who, no matter who goes, I need to make sure that they don't blow my story. Nora goes, and then we get to recheck up on that story of her saying, Whew, I'm in the clear, guys. Just so you know, my arc in this episode's done. That was, yep. I think, insane. It shows that the editors care a lot about us knowing that Kelly's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. For She's sure. really good. Um, because they didn't have to do that second check at all. Like, as long as we, we could have had one of those confessionals, we didn't need both at all to just kind of check it off the list. Like, it feels like there's care there. Um, in addition to that, I think we got to see kind of how she plays, like the kind of person she is and i think that's really really good for her right and as much of the way as this was the story of nora 
told with a lot of attention to her. Uh, it's also Kelly, a story for Kelly, where you get this beginning and end. And a lot of the other people in Vokai, they did get to talk about some aspect of strategy or how they're relating to this. But Kelly just felt more complete, I think. Yes. And I mean, all the other ones were like, Tommy's like, I want to lower my... Um, Dan's like, oh my god, uh, Nora won't shut up. She's so obviously lying. It's all... Not, there wasn't like a ribbon on it. Like there was with Kelly where it's... Mm-hmm. Kelly gets to establish, hey guys, remember, I also went to this place and no one's looking at me like they look at Nora is basically how you leave this episode. Right. Yep. I successfully stuck the landing that Nora failed to do. I was a good student. She was the bad one. Mm-hmm. Outstanding for her. She has personal content. She has this really killer relationship with Dan. It hasn't been brought up that much. I think that's not a bad thing, though. I think I'm actually fine with that being in the shadows. I'm very, very high on Kelly. Yeah. I mean, there could be an interesting idea where Dan and Kelly swap together, and Kelly sort of has to uh, put that aside for now as and let Vokai ride on a majority. That would be tremendously good for Kelly's chances. Mm-hmm. One of the single best things about uh, Kelly's edit is that kind of prophecy she has of like, hey, Dan, we're going to be here together for all 39 days. If they mm-hmm. swap together, that's more credence to that kind of prophecy that they're showing. Like, if at the end, like, I could. The thing is, like, I can see the end where she's like, I had to put up with this guy for 39 days. Like, give me the credit. Like, I could see that being a final tribal council thing, even. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy kept not listening to me. He kept not respecting me. And it, I can see that on TV in my head. So I can see her there with Dan all 39 days. Yeah. Yep. It makes sense as a path. Her story makes sense. Yes. She had a light episode last time, but I think it works. Yeah, that's fine. She... Yeah, yeah. in the same way a Jack or, I guess, Janet, not really, but, like, Jack's episode could work. I think it was brought back. We resumed the Kelly story. And... Yeah, and I think that's the key thing is uh, the other tribe went to Island of the Idols last episode. So it's almost like Kelly's story was just the Dan stuff. She goes to Island of the Idols and she has this huge character exploration about who she is and everything. And then it's straight into this episode. Like, this episode works from that episode. So I'm fine with her being gone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, episode three, it's fine that she's gone because it just doesn't kind of address her at all. She doesn't have some, like, little arc that just, like, vanishes and comes back. This is like, oh, she has... This is what a cooldown looks like. Where there actually is... Like, the story just restarts from where it is. It's not... It's a continuation. I don't Mm. know. Which explains the two confessionals thing. I think it's really, really good for her. She's also my favorite. I'm very biased. <laughs> Every time she's on screen, I, 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 she's just amazing. Next up, I think your favorite. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I always get weird when it comes to like favorites being so involved in the edgic. But Lauren is certainly like a content generator. Like her moments are feel like the most fun, and they're always fun. She feels so much like a real person. Like realizing how funny it is what she's saying about Nora mid confessional. Um. As for her winner chances, honestly, she's down there. She's probably the worst Vokai at this point. <laughs> yes, I think that Lauren is... I might actually have her last in terms of being the person on day 39 to get the check because she's by far the most likable person on this cast. Mm-hmm. If you like Her confessionals are better than everybody else's by far. They're interesting. They're fun. You can tell the editors like her. Because they let yeah. her have these long confessionals. Mm-hmm. But she's on the screen like once an episode. Yeah, This girl would be getting 
five visibilities every episode, she would be all over the place if she won the season. Yeah, and it's like it's an interesting juxtaposition with Kelly because she also got two confessionals, I believe. She was involved in that um, like mini confessional platter of everyone explaining why they didn't go to Island of the Idols. And then she gets to touch on Nora's failings, but they're not stories related to her. It's just she's adding to more of the Vokai tribe story. And that's really her biggest downfall. Yeah, Lauren doesn't have a story. Like, she straight up doesn't. Episode one, she says, idols are wild, huh? And she's so entertaining, you don't even notice that she didn't say anything. She's basically said nothing all game, other than the one thing that could save her. Is if her swap episode is, she swaps with Jason and Nora, and they're now established as the three, and she's the leader of it. Other than that, I don't think she has a (laughs) chance of winning. Um, Like, straight up. That said, she's going to be here for a long time. I feel like she's Victoria or something like that. She's our character who's a really good player that we're established as a very good player and capable at the game, but just something's going to go wrong. Like she's, she's an idol victim or something like that. Like something causes her to lose this game Mm -hmm. earlier on than we'd like. Well, I think if it's really a Vokai Pagong, I think this group is just so complex and honestly, like I think they're good at the game. I think Lauren just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really just only one person can win, and Lauren is just going to be a casualty somewhere in there. Which yeah. is so sad, but I think that's the very clear path we're seeing from Lauren. Exactly. I still stick by, she's Michelle Schubert and Melinda's for Gen X. I think it's the same thing, where you get to learn some things about her, but for the most part, she just gives good confessionals, and she's established as a very strong player, mm-hmm. who just doesn't have a strong player arc, basically. Like, I feel like episode two is, like, they have no choice but to show how cool Lauren is because she did that on her own. She did successfully flip the vote on Molly, I think, is basically how I'm reading this. So they had to give her credit for it. And mm-hmm. we still know nothing about her, which is sad. Um, that's the thing. She's somebody who I don't think she can make the finale. I do think she probably makes the merge, though. Oh, but yeah. she she is also like a I think a candidate to be one of the vocais who leave pre merge if there yeah. are even any yeah I think it should be like the later it gets the more likely but yeah I wouldn't put, say yeah. it's next episode that would be really shocking but yeah if one of these vocai is gonna end up on a tribe with like it's gonna be somehow the numbers work out that it's four Lyro and one vocai like mm-hmm. it's gonna be Lauren like she could get swap screwed I don't think that's super likely though I. I put money on her being an early merge boot. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I feel like the biggest thing I could say about Lauren is when Lauren's boot episode comes, it's going to be apparent and obvious. It's going to be, you're going to get some Lauren content early on. Things are going to be view and it'll be consistent, consistent, and then she'll go home. Yeah. It'll be that thing where we'll be reminded that she's a good player. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden Desiree's a huge threat. Right, like mm-hmm. that's it's the same thing. Um, you see that a lot, where it's just all of a sudden somebody's a threat and they weren't a threat before. Sarah Lucina is all of a sudden a threat, right? Like it's in uh, Kageon. Like I think it's yeah. just something you see a lot of. That's that's how her boot's gonna go. It's by the way, she's really good, and X thing happens. So yep, cool. Let's move here to Nora. I love her so much. She's so entertaining. And <laughs> what I want to put here uh, that I'm really appreciating about this season, usually. When you have someone like Nora, they suck up all the screen time and the story of the tribe becomes about how much they dislike her. Like, 
Natalie Cole was that really sucks up a lot of the complexity of the Goliath tribe. Debbie even right of the um, brains tribe and uh, Wrong. Mm-hmm. You see this a lot. I think what they've managed to do with Nora is still tell us about this tribe, but use her as a cipher for the tribe culture around her. I think it's really, really fascinating and hats off to them for doing it. Cause I think that Nora is a outstanding character that we, informs us about the people around her because she's the opposite yeah yeah in this tribe of competent players nora just sticks out so much and i mean that's her right she just sticks out that's her nature and it does make for this interesting story where you get all these different viewpoints and they'll go back to nora and yeah the first half of this episode was nora's story but it was very much vokai's story as they deal with nora Mm-hmm. As she says in episode two, Tribal Council, uh, she isn't. She doesn't like sticking in. She likes sticking out, um, right? And that's literally one of the main themes of this story is the importance of not sticking out. Nora is the personification of that idea, and she's so fascinating. That story of them telling us the 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 whole arc of her ending up sitting out was beautifully and masterfully told. Also, she was cartoonishly bad at calling <laughs> like i thought that was really funny like they're like okay don't say use my voice it's just like oh okay okay it come to my voice like oh my goodness <laughs> so funny yeah and just the way her lie spun out it was just just oh so good i mean like i said it'd feel horrible to be nora and just to have lauren sort of smugly turn her head and be like nora sitting out like to have your tribe be against you that much it's just, ugh, but I love it. I I mean, if this is the end to, like, a weird pre-swap arc, maybe there's a weird path for Nora from here. Like, she comes out, like, I learned from what I had done at that immunity challenge. I've got to really change into a different person, but I don't think it's super likely, but... Yeah, the, prob- the problem is that she isn't getting the Karishma treatment. Like, if she was like, I will flip on my tribe... They've treated me like dirt, but we we don't know what she thinks of her tribe. I mm-hmm. think that's a huge problem. We don't know other than I guess we know that she didn't like that they were lazy a couple weeks, but yeah. we don't really know who she likes other than Jason. Like that's the thing that's missing for me with putting her up too high. It's also really funny to me that she gets insane visibility, but she really doesn't get that many confessionals. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did in this episode, obviously. Uh, went to the island but it's clear that they know that they have gold with people reacting to her not her yeah. reacting to things which is very funny i'm glad that they've realized that like you don't need a thousand debbie confessionals you want one and then a bunch of people talking about debbie yep so with nora i honestly i don't think she's like she's not last she she could win you're right it could be the story of her learning and growing it's probably not but well, no like that has to happen next episode i think but I don't know. I mean, we talked about this premiere. It was like, is Nora going to weirdly creep up in weird ways that probably shouldn't make sense and we probably shouldn't buy into, but it's not anywhere near that, but no, I don't know. I mean, the other thing that's pretty interesting is Nora has a pattern I'm noticing of on episodes one and three, she has a two visibility on episode two and four, she has a five visibility. This could be our new Angela pattern of like on episode six, she's going to be a five on all the even ones. Hmm. Could be interesting. Um, I don't know if I want to quiet 
Nora swap episode. Yeah, that would be really bad. I feel like there's a good chance she swaps Jason. If we get a lot of content about like Jason being the Yoda to her, Luke, maybe she can win. But be- okay, realistically, she's probably not our winner. Yeah. That said, Joseph, where do you think that Nora ends up? Oh, Is it's she- just <laughs> anywhere. Like, well, okay, that's not true. I would say there's like pre-merge Nora. Anywhere in the pre-merge, she just, they tire of her. And then we might look at the likability as a liability thing because, yeah, Nora went. So is it that important? Um, I guess I don't really see a lot of like early merge, mid merge potential, but it's there. And then all the way to like losing finalist. Hot take. I can't see Nora as a losing final. I think they've presented her too nicely. Mm, like I, I think that, you know, you think she makes it to the end. She wins or like it's just yeah. not like i don't think so i i honestly i guess i just don't see her at the end i think she is our character like i think she i don't think she's actually that long for the game i don't think she has a huge amount of longevity mm-hmm. if she swaps away from jason i think she definitely makes the merge if she swaps with jason i'm not 100 percent sure i think she they could like that's kind of interesting i think but i'd say like more than likely she makes the merge and then I think she could be like a merge boot. I don't think that's completely and out of the realm of possibility. A, let's have a really hot take here and bring up, I don't, I think two words we haven't even touched on this season, Firemaker Loser. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. Just like in that weird Angela vein where things are just weird and I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll, to me, <laughs> Firemaker Loser's probably, like, if we're looking for the Kara or whatever, it's, it's probably Janet, but... Um, <laughs> to, to be honest, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Nora's story is going to be interesting no matter what, because they've clearly figured out how to make her really pop. And that's why she kind of could go anywhere. Cause she is really fun. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll, we'll be tracking that. Basically the idea that likability will get you voted out is extremely good for her. <laughs> if that's the winner story that you got to be unlikable, lock your girl Nora in, but it's just like, <laughs> Nora Karishma Cohen. <laughs> they tie. <laughs> they tie and they just can't, like, no one, like, the third person quits. Yeah. Tommy quits with his zero votes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's probably good on Nora. We'll move to Tommy, who, yep. oh, he's back to my number one. I mean, it's it's a continuation of a perfect edit. Like, yes. Like, even this weird under the radar spotlight is just like what he needs right now he's they're not going to tribal council he gets to touch on why it's not a good idea to go to island of the idol and a really a good way that matches his game just it makes sense mm-hmm. um i guess i'm looking for a tommy episode that doesn't fit into this or just i don't know it's he's gonna be here until he's not yeah this episode is the first time that i've got vibes i think every other one i've said He's probably in the finale. This is the first one where I could see him being like kind of the Eric of last season. I mean, but with a much, much better edit. Specifically that he gets voted out by a group for being too much of a threat and then a Pagangi happens. Um, mm-hmm. But Tommy, unfortunately, is the voice of the gong. We're, t- we're tracking the idea that this Tommy is the one that causes that to happen. Yeah. He's, uh, it doesn't seem like a very interesting player and that kind of... He's not going to... He's not Wardog. He's not going to blindside his own. Mm-hmm. 
He's just a good dude. Uh, and that's how he's going to play. This episode with him saying, my goal is to not be a threat, is the one thing that gives me some pause on that. That maybe he, that maybe Tommy's shorter for this game than I would expect. If it's like, oh, his whole thing was playing under the radar and he was unable to. We have Dean getting targeted for what Tommy's saying he's wanting to do on the other tribe. Yeah. So that could be, like, Tommy could lead. To me, last week Tommy was 99% in the finale, and now he's 80% in the finale. Or early merge. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, to me, Tommy just reads, he's our main character, and I I don't even think it's close, where even in this episode, he doesn't have a huge episode, but you leave the episode and you remember what Tommy said. Yep. Even in the challenge, he had a big challenge moment, right? He's the color guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, knowing who, like, seeing some of the Lyro chaotic uh, behaviors over there, it feels like there's potential for pre-merge, but he also doesn't feel pre-merge, so I don't know. It feels like, to me, he just really regroups with Vokai, and even with Lauren blindsiding Molly, like, I feel like this tribe doesn't have, like, really blindsiding nature. The same yep. way Lyro does. It feels like there's, in fact, a contrast because Lyro is really good at blindsides and Vokai. I guess they haven't had a chance to show us other than Molly, but it doesn't feel like they're the same tribe. And even the Molly one was eventually told the story of Tommy reluctantly agreeing, right? Like it was still yeah. there was an agreement. It, there, like it wasn't a 5 4 vote. Everyone votes Molly effectively, right? Um, yeah. And then we see that good behavior is just Jack being like, oh, that was cool, and not care, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very low stakes over here on this tribe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the only thing is that could be doomsday for Tommy. Is he had a he had a conventional saying like, oh, this could make Jamal mad when they blindside Molly. Jamal is shown as, yes, he is mad. He wants to make a move, but he mm-hmm. didn't even want to make a move against Tommy. He wanted to make a move against Dan. So, like, Tommy's really doing a match full work here. He's clearly the best player, I feel like, on the cast. It's not even close. I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess he's more active than Janet, but I feel like Janet's playing a really solid, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. game. But- yeah, to me, if I was gonna guess, I'd say Jack, Janet, Tommy. God tier players. Or, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, Janet, Lauren, Tommy. I don't think Lauren is actually playing that <laughs> I mean, she's in a good spot, but I think, I feel like I could see Lauren getting into trouble. Yeah, like yeah. I feel she's lucky the Molly thing worked out as well as it did. And like, it could backfire long term. Yeah, yeah, she's really the energy that is going to be like, oh, let's make a move against this person, and then instead of that working out this next time, it's going to turn against her. And Lauren is a big threat, and she goes home. And that's actually a good point. Like, if you take, because I think there's two ways to view Tommy. You can take him at face value. In episode two, he says that he wants to keep Molly. Because he wants to stay under the radar and he wants to keep the tribe happy and all that. And the people, because if if you're somebody who does want to blindside, it'll put a lot of attention on you. Mm-hmm. Take a backfire later. You can then literally kind of connect that to Lauren and be like, oh, she's going to fail because she made a move too early. Mm-hmm. Tommy didn't make a move too early. He's under the radar, even though he is getting high visibility in the episodes. Yeah. If you take him at face value that he is currently under the radar, his story actually makes a lot of sense. It's just... I think almost us looking into it, the editing and uh, all dramatic, like Tommy looks like a front runner, but if you're taking that, what he's saying at face value, he isn't a front runner. He's under the radar and he's letting other people do stuff. Mm-hmm. So 
It's definitely something to note is how much do you take them at face value? Right now, I think it would be very smart to take them at face value and that they're telling a clumsy story of how this guy who's super visible is under the radar. And we're just supposed to believe that. Yeah. Yep. So that's Tommy. He's our, like, everything he says seems super important. He's such a good confessionalist. But he does have these people that are either his goat followers or, like, his goons, or they're the people who inherit his thing. And honestly, it's so hard to tell which one's which when somebody, when the power uh, structure there is so inverted. It's like Tommy is, like, has a statue, like, give him his Boston Rob statue. (laughs) And then there's, like, two, like, ants beside it. And Janet and Jack and kind of Jamal that like, are they just ants or are they like, do you hold up a, do you like, or do they, uh, are they the next in line for the throne? It's so hard to know. Are they termites going to tear down that statue? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for Tommy. Cool. I, yeah. I'm excited to cross over to Lyro, which is like, I feel like Vokai just feels there's a variety here, but they all feel like complex good players and then i look at this lyro list and it's just all these oddballs going in all different directions and <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not even close like like i could talk about the complexity they've even granted nora over anybody on lyro right. like literally like everybody on vokai except janet is a very complex character and it, and janet is still a more fleshed out character than everybody on Lyra, which is nuts. Um, so it's definitely something that's very interesting is there's no cohesion here at all. The dynamics are confusing and weird on Lyro. And yeah, it's like a strange storytelling choices. Like this to me is so um, like so Palau where we're getting people like Tom not being in this episode at all, really, when they're going to tribal. Like... <laughs> Yeah, he's clearly an important part. <laughs> yep, uh, but we got to start with Aaron, which I'm like, kudos to Aaron for seeing the sinking ship that is the men on Lyro, and he just starts throwing other men under the bus. And it, I mean, it doesn't work; they get out someone else. But I feel like Aaron is playing pretty well, but not winning. <laughs> Aaron is the feminist icon of this tribe. Uh, We've been told all season that this is a tribe that's a super powerful woman and, all, and there's this really strong women's alliance. And then we literally saw the story be Chelsea wants Karishma, Elizabeth wants uh, Chelsea. Like, just like, like what happened to the alliance of the past? You know what I mean? Like, what happened to this really powerful girls alliance? And then Aaron's here targeting Dean. Yeah, it's, like, it starts out Aaron targets Dean and then several girls are like, no, this will not do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The tribe with the super strong girls alliance uh, that just voted a girl. Um, oh no, I guess the I guess this is the first girl they voted out. Yep, I mixed up Molly. Uh, but yeah, like they clearly were not <laughs> that pressed about voting out a girl at all. And I think what's very interesting is yeah, Aaron manages to kind of stick here at the top of. He's now like the most consistent character on this tribe, right? Like. We were like, in episode one, why is he getting all this weird content? And he's just kind of continued to get that. He's like the narrator. Yeah. He, coming out of this this weird journey we had to the swap, Aaron feels at least almost consistent in what he wants. Like, he was with Ronnie when they wanted Vince out the first episode. 
and he was blindsided, and we got to see that. And then he wants Karishma out, but like Vince can also go too, and we see that. And then this episode, he's one of the few people who is like, yeah, maybe Chelsea can go. And I mean, he at least his thoughts make sense, I think, which is enough to put him above several members of Lyro. I think that he is the most likely Lyro to win. Hmm. Like I, I don't even think it's close. Like I, I don't think anybody else makes sense. Um, that said, like I think that's a more of an indictment on Lyro, as I said. But yeah. Aaron feels like to me, he almost feels like Sierra Easton and Cambodia, where I easily see his story being he's going to be the guy at the merge complaining about the paganging that's happening, and he's going to be the one like no one's playing, you're all sheep, like. Make a move, and he's going to get voted out. Yep. Like, he that's feels, Yeah, he feels like he could be that. He feels um, an unfortunate pre-merge victim, like, just because they were down in numbers. I don't know. I kind of like Aaron. He's a bizarre character here. But, yeah, I would say he has maybe one of the best chances of Lyra to win. Looking at my list, I had realized I had a weird choice here, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, Aaron probably is near the top of that list. Yeah. He, yeah, I feel like he's actually a really good character. I think he's cast. I like this, like, he's going to go after Dean. Like, I I think that was really interesting. I'm guessing he picked up on the girls thing and thought he could kind of piggyback off that. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. He also gets a killer relationship in this episode. This is one thing that he's been missing. Him and Missy are now, they're super close, and they established that. Yeah. So I think that's pretty good for him. I think he, I think he makes the merge. I, I, I don't think he's merge people. Um, but again, I think he is definitely like merge boot slash one vote after person. Yeah. So, yep, super early, like jury member. Yes, I, I, I think like yeah, he could leave earlier. Like, but you I, can... I see him in the Michael Yerger. Like he's yeah. You just start to see him sitting alone on that jury bench, just contemplating, yeah. stewing. Yeah. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, and I that's what makes the most sense to me. Um, I'm right now trying to quickly grab Michael Yerger's uh story, like his um early thing. It, it looks a lot, honestly, like Aaron's. Aaron hasn't had the positivity, yeah. But other than that, is mostly the same. I guess the other person you could compare him to is Michael Yerger's buddy Brendan. That would be his pre-merge alternative, but yeah. I would say, I don't know, I feel like there's definitely this consistent uh, screen time, but it's just an early jury member. Yeah. But so, I won't I won't be shocked to see him pre-merge, honestly. No, like, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. And then the episode would be like, again, like, his story, I feel like, is tied to complaining that people aren't playing. Right. I think that's a very accurate read where, yeah, he's just, nobody's flipping and... It means his doom, so... Yeah, which explain, which to me makes the most sense out of merge. But I like people leave all the time in the pre-merge saying the same kind of things, but mm-hmm. it does feel like there's a little bit more oomph there. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I really have to say on Aaron. I think this was the episode mm-hmm. if the earlier stuff was better, so... Yeah. That's that. Let's move here to Dean, uh, the former Enigma turned just awkward confessionalist. Yeah, I think there are two reasons why Dean started out bad. Uh, one, he's not very interesting. And then two, he's just kind of like slaying your faves. Like uh, he goes instead of Vince. 
Um, Chelsea takes the bullet for him. It's just Dean should be going. Dean is a problem in challenge just as much as anyone else is. And yet he is evading, evading, like going. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like- almost like a twist on likability is a liability where his likability and people wanting to keep him makes the tribe weaker as a whole. Yeah, there's almost like a subtext here of they're blaming the Lyra losses on keeping Dean. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're really, like, the editors really do not like this guy. Yeah. Like, they're throwing in, like, oh, he's so clumsy. Like, we're not winning the challenges and he's a dude. <laughs> it really feels like they do not like him and they're kind of throwing this, like, under subtext of, like, why are they keeping him? Oh my goodness, I wish they just filled him out already. Mm-hmm. A kind of mannerism. So, real bad for Dean. Dean is 100% pre-merge, I think. Yeah, it's it's like not winning, not endgame, not anywhere close. Like, maybe an early jury member, just like Aaron. But even more so, it stacks closer and closer to where we are now, I think. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's long for this game at all. If he is, his story is literally what I'm saying. It's, why did they keep him this long? Mm-hmm. He's getting the Chelsea or... Uh, what's that guy in Philippines? Um, Carter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Carter in Philippines edit. Like, that's how I feel. Like, we're just like, why did they, bu- why did they keep this guy around? He sucks. And production doesn't like him. And, like, that's the vibe I get is his, he's either gone really, really soon, or if he's staying, it'll be this continued, like, hack job on him. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, not even close to finale. Like, this is not somebody who has. I think the ability to sneak into the finale somehow. Like, I don't even think he's close to the finale yet. Like, if he's in the merge, he's in early merge when they make fun of him for sucking at the challenge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, if they still did this, could you imagine, like, Dean's little, like, blurb as to why he could be the winner in the next time on for the second to last episode? It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like... I, I if if so they've failed miserably like you know what I mean so it's not yeah it's not even like Dean has a terrible edit like I love a character with a bad edit it's like I don't like Dean like mm-hmm. he's just not good bottom of my list very bottom yeah he's yeah yeah spot on like, they couldn't even show like they couldn't even give him a like the positivity association with Chelsea or anything mm-hmm. very bad. Yep. Let's move here to Elaine, who finally is back in the show. Like, we've been wondering where she went. Yep, She's she here. came back, and she has no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, we brought up the question, who is the longest-lasting Lyro? And I'm kind of like, is it Elaine? I think it might be. I, it's just this edit that doesn't make sense for a winner. Like, she's right next to Dean at the bottom. She's not winning. Um... But she is sort of really in that spot if Vokai doesn't do a pure p- Pagong. Like, I think she could incorporate really well. Um, mm. But even just the last one they decide to off is Elaine. And, yeah. yeah. And, like, what's really interesting, I think, with Elaine is her story, when you look at it now, it's really introduced in a way where I could see um, a major decision in the game being like late in the game being do i turn on my people or do i work with elaine who i don't think can win like i almost think like we're gonna see someone underestimate elaine 
and bring her too far, and then be like, oh crap, I need to cut her. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see her being with the um, Vokai majority kind of thing for a while, and then people be like, oh, wait a minute. Like, what Ronnie said was true. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a distinct possibility she lasts quite a while. I also think, I think she could leave. She's somebody who could leave early. Like, she doesn't really have much armor, other than mm-hmm. I think somebody's going to weigh whether they want to keep her in the game or in a meaningful way. She, she's going to be important to the story. It's just, it doesn't mean that's, like, the um, a key moment of a story doesn't have to be the climax near the end. It could be pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, they, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. I think you saw that interesting moment at Tribal where Robin Sander just starts sort of like, she has no idea what's going on, which after last episode where things sort of got turned on their head with Robin Sander's commentary, it really makes you think like, oh, maybe Elaine just sort of does get further in this game and it's surprising and you don't know quite what to think. So, yeah. Yeah, I and I don't disagree there. And I think I do want a, like, a brief tangent here. I like I listen to other survivor podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Nobody understands anymore, I don't think, that like people lie at tribal council. Like Elaine did know what was going on probably because right. she voted in the majority. Like I don't think it's um oh, yeah. some indictment on her. Also, a bunch of people online have been trashing Missy for being mean to Karishma. It's like you realize that she probably like told Karishma she's gonna be mean at tribal support. Things are close. Like, yeah, hundred percent. What happened? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's kudos on Survivor for editing it so well. But I agree. Yeah. I think Elaine is playing this sort of oh, I don't know what's happening as much card, and she has some extent. I think she was in the Girls Alliance. She like understood the weight of going after Dean or Chelsea and all that. Yeah. It's just how it was presented. I think is interesting. I 100% agree. Um, and yeah, Elaine's story is ultimately what we saw in the first She's so likable. Uh, so her social games kill her. But at the same time, we've really only seen her link up with Tom, who's left. And I guess Elizabeth. Like, I think that's actually a really kind of worrying thing for her. We're not seeing people go to Elaine. Eh, I think Elizabeth went to Elaine. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. But Elizabeth also blamed Elaine for... Well, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth's play there is actually really interesting. But yeah. um, even with that, I mean, Elaine was never a target in Chaos Ladder that was Lyro. It's a very... Yeah. It's interesting how she's juxtaposed against Janet. It's these archetypal older women who are somehow really integrating and not getting mm. that target. So... Yeah, so... I know. Elaine's an, a fascinating character. She could be... Like, that's the thing. Like, she could be, like, the Christian. I think she could also just not make it that far. Like, she could be Stephanie Johnson very easy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think once we had that really strong premiere followed by that almost invisible second episode, we were just like, Elaine can fit in anywhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, it's just obvious that she's not winning. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, let's move here to Elizabeth. Who, honestly, is getting a good edit at this point. Um, yeah, Elizabeth, like crawled up my list i mean i'm still really skeptical but uh you had her last at one point uh, second to last dean has always been last oh, like, okay second to last yeah that's uh but yeah she's up there now i'd say she's in the top half if we're yeah being generous but 
Yeah, I mean, these have been good episodes for Elizabeth. Her play here is interesting, where she goes to someone, asks about it, and then is like, oh, Elaine's not into it, when she was the one who wasn't into it all along. Like, actually competent play from Elizabeth, who can you could probably say she didn't know who Rob and Sandra were. Uh, but yeah, these have been good episodes. It's just she has a long way to build up from the first two, I think, for me. Yeah, I, I could sign everything you said. Uh, these are good episodes for her. Um, I know I just said that Aaron's probably the most likely to win on Elizabeth for me. It's it's one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Elizabeth got, I think the most important thing is she said, Boston Rob changed the way I viewed the game. So I'm going to be more greedy. Like I'm going to think about myself more or whatever it is that she said. That's really good for her. It's showing she's learning. Hits that theme really well. Um, that said, oh, and, and in addition to that, I mean, I think the fact that Tom stayed over Vince, it was hundred percent elizabeth i think chelsea leaving over dean or missy or anyone like that was 100 percent elizabeth's doing i think elizabeth is i think the power structure of this tribe in a pretty major way i think she has a lot of power uh on the beach separate to that the edit supports that and shows us who she wants and doesn't want in the game i think she could last quite a long time yeah yeah i think she's another contender up there for maybe the last one standing yeah i mean the biggest problem is we've been told her and tom are close we haven't got to see them talking um in a meaningful way her you know what i mean like like we're told she's close to people we don't get to actually shown them being close mm-hmm. yeah and there is there are a few things i want to say most of lyro sort of suffers here in a variety of ways but going into the vote it really just feels like missy and maybe aaron are on board for the chelsea vote that's how they want to present it. And mm-hmm. then it's like seven to two um, or seven, six to two. Uh, the other thing. Oh, I don't remember it. <laughs> I will jump in quick. Will you think um, this, is, this is to bridge onto Elaine? Actually, I think this is kind of an interesting. I think this is actually the most uh, most uh, telling thing about Lyro is the story was basically in a game about voting people out. Elaine and Elizabeth were not OK with voting anyone. That like, was. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I remembered it. Yeah. It's just like you have Aaron and Missy being like, these people are sheep. They don't want to vote anyone out. And Elizabeth is constantly this person who is like, I don't want to vote out Tom because he's our dad. And that'd be really sad. And I don't want to vote out Dean. And Exactly. Like w- with Elaine specifically, like Elizabeth's like, do you want to do this? Aaron's thinking this and she's like, ah, oh, darn tune. Why would we do that? And then it's like uh, every other, like, it's like, who does Elaine want to vote out? Who does Elizabeth want to vote out? We're not yeah. really sh- told that and this is a game about voting people out um i just don't imagine that that's the story they're told i feel like we were just showing that they aren't huge gamers basically i think the edit kind of takes missy and aaron's side there which is bad for elizabeth mm-hmm. but that, like i do want to like i feel like that's that's editing manipulation um yeah. she's clearly doing a great job um elizabeth specifically so yeah, i think earlier on you said Elizabeth is someone who has like lucked into playing an okay game. And I think that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, she clearly got a good social game. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. She is the one that seems like she, like if she's the winner, she like, you see the hype package, you know what I mean? Like you can hundred percent see how it happened and everything. So Mm -hmm. I think that's something to note. That's really good for Elizabeth. That said, I mean, all all the light problems still exist. Yeah. (laughs) and i mean the biggest one here is karishma the story of lyro at this point mostly centered on why karishma's flipping on them yeah 
like it's banged over our head a lot so obviously that like they're keeping karishma yet karishma is obviously going to vote against them and flip it's bizarrely blatant at this point yeah like (laughs) it tells you straight up this is a mistake to keep karishma Mm -hmm. and then it's a bunch of people justifying keeping karishma and the people who are voting karishma or sorry, voting Krishma out, Dean and Chelsea are still edited negatively. Mm-hmm. You know There's what I mean? Just, like, yeah, you can't win on my row. <laughs> like, Karishma's also not winning. Like, Karishma, we were sort of questioning how the edit was presenting our last episode, but I think this episode was fully like, yeah, Karishma kind of is not like she's not like someone to root for necessarily. So yeah. it's just. <laughs> Yeah, the episode told us she's lazy and, like, they really got some clever insults in there where it's like, does she have the idol? No. Have you ever seen her leave the camp area? (laughs) Yeah, like, Karishma is a fascinating character. This is not who I thought I was going to see pre-season. She's interesting, though. Like, I think she's she's a good confessionalist and stuff, but... Mm -hmm. And, like, I liked her stealing Littlefinger's line, like, the Chaos of the Ladder thing is good. Um, But, like, yeah, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a little not great that she really is like cursing these people like because i don't know i kind of think that the confessional from last time about her uh, about um lyro being dead to her is probably from a little later which is even worse for everyone else on lyro like that i think there is editing manipulation to put her hatred earlier mm-hmm. um because then we're walking into this episode knowing she's flipping and then a bunch of people saying she's gonna flip and then not really telling us why they're not voting her out. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, not good. The only question for me is, is Karishma Cochran and she flips to uh, Vokai and they like write it up together and she's like a potential finalist. Cause in that realm, I think Karishma's a, could be your bet for longest lasting um, Lyro person, but that would be with a huge asterisk of like saying like Laurel's the longest, like the, End of the Malolo journey. No, Michael is in that season. Like, yeah. Krishma could actually outplace people, but she's getting dragged if so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or is she Natalie Cole? I think it's more that. I feel like, because the weird thing is this edit, it feels like even if she flips, it's not like for any reason. It feels like Krishna is going to try to flip. Whoever she gets matched with is going to be like, yeah, this is bad. But, like, she's bad, right? So, like, that flips back on her and you still have a Lyro out anyway. So, it's like, mm. <laughs> I feel like Krishna is probably pretty much too. I don't know. Yeah, uh, one thing you'll learn about Survivors, they don't like to telegraph boots. So, if it tells you she's going to flip and Lyra will suffer for uh, keeping her in the game, I feel like it's more likely that, yeah, she fails to yeah. flip on them. Um like they're not gonna, like they they're not gonna front load the story. Instead, they're gonna make the betrayal happen in this episode, and then in, in the episode where she flips, she's gonna be like, "Uh, last round I was treated so poorly. Now I'm gonna flip." They're not gonna say, "I'm gonna flip," and then in a couple episodes she flips. It's the impetus to flip will happen in that episode. Yeah, I feel like she gets on a tribe where it's already a Vokai majority, and she spills the beans to the vocais about it but they're still like 
uh, if we're losing, like Karishma can still go. It's like just thanks I for the information. Bye. Yeah, I don't see a lot of longevity. Yeah, like I think she could like she could be the second boot on a tribe. Like uh, yeah. Elizabeth gets voted out first, and then it's still a tribe of five. So then they lose again, and Karishma goes. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's super super likely. Um, or they're like, you know what? We'll take Christmas ch- stuff, but she's bad at challenges. So yeah, yeah. That's the thing is, it's not looking super good for her long term or short term. So <laughs> sell your uh, sell your stock if you have any. It's too late. You've already <laughs> lost yeah. money. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I don't even sell it anymore. That being said, I don't think you're too late to get out of the Missy train. Yeah, uh, sell. Yeah. Uh, from what I saw, people still haven't really dropped too much on Missy, but I nothing this episode told me our feelings from last episode were wrong. Agreed. I think just her statements at Tribal Council, not the like way she attacked Karishma, which fake or not, but her statements were very, they felt very pessimistic and like philosophical in a weird way. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, hats off to Missy for being an aggressive player and like getting her way this round, right? Like she took. It seems like she successfully took out Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it, she's clearly a capable player. Um, she's an important character. The edit really likes her. She could last a decent length of time. Yeah, I think maybe one or two episodes ago, everyone would have said Missy is the longest lasting Lyro. Yeah, but. It feels, yeah, it doesn't feel that way anymore. It doesn't quite feel pre-merge, I would say, but I don't know. I agree, yeah. To me, this, I feel like we're going to see Missy and Aaron complaining about um, the Paganging mm-hmm. at the merge. Like, I think that's what we're going to see. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think she does have at least merge longevity, because I think what we're going to see is she's going to be leading a group of girls. I think that's going to happen. I think that's why they're telling us about the girl that... She's going to be the underdog of the merge with a gr- like an alliance of girls. She'll be seen as the figurehead of it. And like, they're an obstacle. I think Missy's an obstacle. Yeah. Missy feels like, oh, we can't let her win immunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, if it's, yeah, like she's the person that the winner, like you build up as a really capable player and topples them or whatever. Um, it, that's what it feels like to me with Missy. Um, that's that she could honestly also get swap screwed. I think it's yeah. I was kind of thinking about Krishna and Missy getting swapped together, and that would almost be too ironic for Survivor editing if like Krishna flips and it's Missy's demise. Yes, because I mean, I, I think in that scenario, Krishna then gets flipped back upon and goes before Missy. Yeah, like one thing that I think is really really bad for her is, I mean, her confessional being like, yeah, uh, keeping Chelsea or keeping Krishna for other people. It's dumb, but she's my uh, second vote. <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. that's a little too on the nose. Um, I think clearly Karishma and Missy are pretty close on the beach. I, I feel like they have a good relationship that we're mm-hmm. not seeing for a, for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's to make Missy look bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't think Missy's going out there just assuming Karishma's going to vote with her for no reason. But yeah, this story is not looking super positive for Missy. Um, but like I said, I did, like like we've been saying, I think there's a possibility. Krishma and Missy swap together. Missy's like, Krishma, you're going to vote with me, right? And then Missy's able to turn it on to Krishma and then still somehow manage to stay mm-hmm. to the merch. Seems possible. And then she's our Kelly Wentworth. She's our Sierra. Like, I-, I feel like that's what 
that's who she is um yeah i don't think she can make it far enough to be like a finalist though you know i don't think she can make it to the final like finale night i feel like that's Mm -hmm. too too late for her um because you do see super complex people leave early like good players leave early and it's also i mean you can't you have to imagine lyro without a complex missy is just like a nightmare like they have to make some people complex like they did with malolo like stephanie johnson and like brendan and all them were really well developed characters and they went early it's like you can't just have everyone spell out their pre-mergedness on their sleeve Mm -hmm. no i 100% agree with that so Mm. that's the thing like missy i feel like i'd put her shelf life at file nine and yeah not like around there eight nine something like that i know um, i think you're right i was just thinking she feels like someone who can go to like final seven but i'm in these bloated merges where there's 13 people yeah there's still gonna be a bunch of vokai left and yeah yeah Missy how does she go. make it through eight merge votes i i don't think it's yeah super possible mm-hmm. so yeah that's the thing like spells doom for missy uh that said i think she's somebody who will probably come back oh like return on another yeah season? Okay. Like I feel yeah. like she's a good player. They're telling us she's a good player. They're giving she gives good specials. They're letting us see it. Yeah. I I feel like she's an antagonist to the winner. They were definitely trying to make her look bad in this episode without giving the end. Mm-hmm. So take that for what you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we have Tom. Yes. Not much to say on Tom this week. Uh, great move of him saying things against Karishma and then voting with Karishma. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I said I had someone weird as my top contender out of the Lyros. And I was like, in this weird wreckage that was the Lyro pre-swap, like, Tom is weird and it, like, cancels out. Like, <laughs> like I guess the big caveat is here is he needs, like, an amazing swap episode where it sort of completely restructures his game going forward. But otherwise, I don't know where he fits in. He's such a oddball. Yeah, he's got the weirdest at it, right? Like, <laughs> it's he gets these really long, informative, insightful confessionals. We're told, like, I feel like if you're actually gonna like be there, I bet you think Tom's kind of running things. Like, his name gets thrown out, and then the person who throws his name out immediately is on the chopping block. Like, it seems like if you say Tom's name, like you're like in danger, kid. Um, right. But then we don't really see that. He doesn't talk strategy and confessional at all. He just mm-hmm. talks about how much he likes people. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like we'll get like an endorsement of other people from him. He's also somebody to laugh at. Like he gets confessions talking about how frail his ego is and all because the girl <laughs> beats him in fire making. Um, it'd be strange if he won. He's all he's a lot like Dan, but like a positive Dan. Like Dan on the other tribe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I have him. It's like Dan is like dangerously high despite all his faults and tom is like also weirdly high but like both so minuscule chance of winning it's mm-hmm. just like wild yeah. speculation like him having his duo with elaine is probably good it probably means they swap oh yeah maybe i would be surprised if tom elaine swap together and that's the complex swap tribe you wouldn't so, be surprised yeah 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 like i feel like tom's role I... in this story is to endorse people mm-hmm. he's a I good almost... judge of character yeah I could see that. And then I would kind of wonder if their pre-merge boots are not. Like, I could see it going, the Vokais, just that's the way the numbers work out. And 
they go. That's almost like sad for mm-hmm. all involved. I don't know. It's but yeah, I think you're right. Elena and Tom, I think, come out of Lyro looking kinda okay. Like and whoever they're with from Vokai would benefit from being with them, I think. I agree. And I think Tom Tom seems like a kingmaker to me. Like he's he's somebody who personally we're not supposed to think of super high, but he sees the good in people more than most people. Like mm-hmm. Elaine's story in episode one, sure, a lot of it was bailed on her being like, but it was him being like, yeah, you wouldn't think I'd like her, but I love her. Like, she's great, whatever. Um, And he's continuously kind of had that streak of like, oh, Chelsea, like, oh, she smoked me in fire. What a good gal she is. Like, Mm -hmm. um, he he is kind of shown as just like a reliable judge of character. So, yeah, I feel like he'll endorse the winner. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, regardless of if it's not that great swap episode, I think the content we do get from Tom next episode will be very telling. Yeah. Like, I could see him getting swapped with Kelly and just glowing for Kelly. And Mm -hmm. that would be really great for her. Yeah, because, like, I I 100% agree. Like, I think Tom's there to serve as a theme. Like, he's the personification of hard work and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, And he'll, he'll... talk about how much he likes somebody he almost reminds me of um like what is it gonna be he's 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 the presidential candidate who drops out early and it's super sad but he endorses the younger guy you know what i mean like he step let the other guy win or whatever mm-hmm. um that's kind of what the vibe i'm getting with tom is i think i'm gonna pay hypertension to who he talks up highly on the vokai tribe yeah yep Sort That's of a weird, role. yeah, weird place to end before the swap episode. But yeah, I'm curious to see what Tom is doing next episode. Almost more than anything, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, which brings us here to Chelsea. I mean, I think that what we said is true. Her story was uh, wrapped up in the idea of the theme. Idols are scary. Idols uh, consume her. And because of that, she was never able to truly be herself. Is I think basically why she's gone right like Mm -hmm. i don't know what it informs beyond that other than like the again the idols are bad thing it's always sad to see a super fan leave but yeah and i really like chelsea like i feel like her edit was manipulated a lot in a way just to serve this story but what i could see of her felt really great and it's unfortunate that she had to leave this early agreed like I, we both were kind of on the track of this is what kind of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it happened in a way that was interesting and good. Um, I feel bad that she kind of got the showman's narrative on the way out. Cause I feel like that was probably a little yeah. unfair. Um, kind of hurts her credibility, but I don't know. Like, yeah, she's kind of there to just be like the surprise boot kind of, but mm-hmm. um, that it, it's there to highlight that uh, you can be too likable. You can't be too much of a threat. But other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot to say on her. Yeah. And yeah, saying we like her, I think we don't highlight enough how much, how like great this cast is as a whole. Like mm-hmm. there's such a disparity between what Vokai is and what Lyro is, but both of them are very interesting to watch and are comprised of almost entirely interesting characters. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I think a lot of these eliminations are going to be pretty sad no matter which way it pans out. Absolutely agree. Cool. So, uh, my list of winners is I got Tommy number one, I got Kelly number two, I got Jack number three, 
And I have Jason number four. And I'm not really seriously considering anybody else. There's too much of a plateau. Mm -hmm. I have Jack number one, Tommy number two, Kelly number three. And then that's where my list ends. Everyone else is not someone I want. I would put on my list. Yeah. And have a really good defense for, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, and part of that's like, you don't want to like, I don't know, too many people on there. But in addition, like, it, it kind of uglies your list when like you throw like a bunch of random names every week. Like this person's the fourth most. So this, yeah, it's just like, and it's always something where I'm super systematic. So I'm like, okay, when do I start having only four? When do I only have three? So I'm trying to be like more free flowing and just being like, yeah, like I see the path to Janet, but I really can't defend it. Mm-hmm. Other than this one specific way, it's not worth having her on the list. Absolutely, it's. It feels like it's somewhat objective, but it's ultimately really subjective and super subjective. That's why we're never right. Yeah, it's so much more fun, I think, tracking like where people will end up. You know what I mean? Like it's because I don't know. It's it's a fun story uh, show that we get to see every week. Right. Next, I think our boy Dean will absolutely certainly leave. (laughs) Really? Um, I guess Dean is a solid choice, but I was just going to land somewhere among the other obvious choices. I feel like Jamal's up there. Karishma's up there. Nora's up there. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't feel like we're going to be surprised right out of the gate for this swap. I, I agree. I think mostly they're going to be comprised of former bonds already. Probably Vokai has a majority on all the tribes, mm-hmm. which seems to happen uh, insane in plenty of time recently. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's our show. Um, you can email us uh, at thewinneredit at gmail.com. New episodes on, and today's this one's going to be Monday. Had a little bit of a delayed week this week, but okay. We're busy. We're busy. We both we both had pretty busy weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my homecoming, so. Oh, wow. Uh, pretty occupied. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're on all major podcast catchers, so make sure you subscribe. Um, review us on iTunes. And if you want, follow me, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Danny Kills Bees. I'm at JChapman9000. Look for all kinds of uh, probably mostly dumb tweets, but you know what? It's fun. Uh, and with that, see you next week. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>